0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Nickel IDP podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst at PFF. Folks, we are getting so close to the start of the NFL season. It's officially August. We got the Hall of Fame game. Probably tonight for many of you by the time this episode drops, um, or it would have just passed for the rest of you tuning in a little later. But either way, fantasy draft season is well underway. I've been drafting my fragile little heart out already. I know a lot of you have as well. So naturally, we're going to turn our attention to 2023 fantasy drafts for these last few episodes of the offseason and talk our favorite sleepers um, and values for IDP. And oh, just got a notification. I am on the clock. So let's get it. right here we go like I said at the top and most of you are well aware we are in the thick of fantasy draft season right now so we'll talk about favorite values and sleepers the target in IDP drafts and joining me to do so just as he did last year back to drop some of the best fantasy knowledge available from fantasypoints.com he is the great Justin Varnes Justin how's it going my friend
1: John it's going great man uh there's so much optimism this time of year I can't wait for it to all come crashing down come week (laughs) two
0: Yeah, this is this is really the optimism part of the year, because all the hype videos and stuff like that coming out of camp, it's all positive news. Nobody's really getting any negative light shine in their way. Um, We don't get to see any of the negative stuff. Only positivity gets the click. So um, I mean, the injury stuff that that's that's the one that 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 really hurts. But yeah, it is nice to kind of just watch some camp videos and get used to watching football again. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I will. I will tell everybody a little bit of bad news. I am not in the best shape of my life coming into this preseason, <laughs> unlike a lot of the people I've been reading about, but uh, there's always next year.
0: That's that's true. Yeah. There, every camp season, we got another chance to have, be in the best shape of your life. And that's what's important. Right. So uh, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but yeah, man, I, I I appreciate you coming on. I, I really enjoyed doing this last year with you. And and we we, we talked about quite a few names and i think we had some pretty good values and sleepers last year that we talked about we'll do the same thing again this year we're basically looking at players um that are going a little bit later in fantasy drafts guys that we've noticed kind of fall um in when we're doing our drafts what they're you know whether it's adp or just people not really paying attention to people players that people aren't really thinking about i guess um as they're doing their drafts and there's a few some of them are bigger names here, but there's definitely a, quite a few that are that are going to be off people's radar. So we'll we'll get into that stuff um, here right now, and I'll let you kick it off with uh, with one of your names at the top of the list here. Who was your uh, first value um, for this season? Well,
1: a lot of what I tried to do when I was putting this list together was find people who would be. You know, possible, uh, you know, top 12, top 15 guys that might be a little bit lower on other people's draft boards. And then also some deeper guys that we can get later in our drafts or maybe even, you know, last round or, or waiver wire. Or so but I'm going to start kind of on the higher end of the list. Um, and I want to talk about Cameron Curl. I've seen him. I think, in my opinion, he's been a little too low. Uh, on some draft boards uh remember he got injured last year he only played 12 games uh he got 83 tackles over those 12 games if if we uh you know stretched that out over to a, a seven, 17 game season that's going to be 116 tackles you know that's that's going to be fourth in db tackles so uh, and that's also Last year, Washington played some of the fewest snaps in the league. They played under a thousand snaps on defense. Um, I'm not expecting a huge, huge turnaround, but uh, they got really unlucky with a couple of their games. So, give my man another, you know. Uh, 30 or 40 snaps, which is basically another, you know, half, or maybe even, I mean, honestly, they could go all the way up to about another 50 or 75 snaps and give him a full season. We could be looking at 110 to 120 tackles. And I think he's somebody that you can get a little bit later if you're looking for a DB one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And honestly, this, it, He's probably not going later if I'm in drafts. I'm, I'm very high on Cameron Curl. I think yes, I have man. him as my safety three <laughs> um, yes, heading here. into this year, right? So I, I love Cameron Curl. I know uh, another guest on this podcast, Jake Cole Hagen, loves Cameron Curl as well. And yeah, for all the reason that you said, he's he's a tackle machine. And you know, 51% of his snaps were in the box last year, which was the sixth best rate uh, among safeties who played at least 150 snaps uh, on the season, posted a really strong tackle efficiency. as well, Um, even posted uh, 2.7 tackles over expected on the year, which may not seem like a lot. But when taking into account that high end box deployment still coming out on top in that regard is a big positive. And it's something that he really came a through on even the year prior, he was plus 15.4 thanks to nearly a full season of games played. So like you said, he did miss five games last season. So I think, yeah, Cameron curl is going to be great this year with, with talk about Jamin Davis getting potential jail time for reckless driving as well. There could be even more box opportunities for curl, especially considering, you know, somebody like Cody Barton might, probably shouldn't be an every down player uh <laughs> you know maybe they bring somebody else in or Rashawn Evans or or whoever as a free agent if something does happen with Jamin Davis but I think either way curl is still ready to smash this year for IDP who do you so who do you have up next for DB so for me I went with Julian Blackman of the Indianapolis Colts so This one really, uh, I'm not a player that I would typically be in on um, in previous years, but word out of camp right now is that Julian Blackman has switched safety roles, moving from the free safety position to the strong safety position in Gus Bradley's defense, which for most NFL defenses wouldn't be like a significant change. But with Bradley deploying one of the highest rates in the league in single high coverages, um, I think it's very much noteworthy, especially for IDP. Blackman has only averaged about nine percent of his snaps in the box over the last two seasons but now he figures to see a pretty big increase in that regard which should be huge for his fantasy production this is a guy that's never posted more than 50 tackles in a season but even with just average efficiency assuming that deployment is right I think he could come close to probably doubling that on a full year's worth of snaps so we just saw rodney mcleod take over that role early in the year last year uh he finished with a career high 96 tackles from from an 11 year vet um so we saw this last year again that box snaps absolutely matter when it comes to tackle efficiency for the safety position as that deployment yielded a 10.8 Percent tackle efficiency on the year which was a a point and a half higher than even the overall average safety tackle efficiency so uh, i'm definitely buying into the this offseason change for blackman a player who has never really been much of an idp contributor um i think i'd expect that to change this year if that move does happen uh how about you what do you think about this one
1: yeah. I mean, uh, there's, uh, I love Gus Bradley there. I can't believe he's still running so much single eye safety, but yeah. I love it. I mean, uh, we've seen so, you know, Dan Quinn who who ran a lot of it and all these you know, people kind of coming out of the, the Seattle tree Quinn's re completely revamped his style and, and revitalized his career as a defensive coordinator, leaving that behind. Even, you know, we're seeing, you know, uh, Pete Carroll has, has changed his defensive philosophy, got some, you know, a lot more multiple over there. They're doing a lot, a lot of different things. But Gus Bradley is sticking to his guns, man, which is great for us because, you know, we miss that heyday where it's like, all right, who is our single high box guy? Great. I'll just take any one of these guys and we're going to be OK. Well, those days are basically over except for um, in Indianapolis. And I totally agree. And we see this every year. You know the secondary is so easy to switch around. I mean, every single year we we see safeties and cornerbacks who show up to camp the following year within a completely different role. You know, remember that I remember this with uh, you know Buddha Baker was killing it in Arizona. Then all of a sudden we looked up and. Uh, They had they had basically moved Jalen Thompson into that Mm -hmm. Buddha Baker role. It threw everybody off. um, And this is a a clear signal that that something like this might happen again. You know, they've got um, they they got Rodney Thomas there who I think might be playing, uh, you know, some free safety. They're messing around with that. Um, But actually, man, this leads me right into into one of mine. And this Mm -hmm. is a this is a super deep cut, even though he's only a sophomore, which is. I mean, this guy's got a ton of volatility, um, and one of the things that's nice about a Cameron Curl, um, you know, that we were just talking about, is the the floor for a player like that is is fairly high and when you're going for a db1 that's what you want you, you know you, there's so much volatility in the in the db market you have anyone with a fairly high floor is is very valuable and whoever plays this strong safety role will have that high floor um but Cross was, you know, he was a rookie last year. He's coming into his second year. He was supposed to be that role last year. He didn't make it out. You know, he, he basically was struggling a little bit in training camp and and then basically lost his starting job almost immediately. It threw a whole bunch of our draft uh, um, strategies right out the window. But uh, word out of camp and, and and i got some of this uh from listening to a gus bradley interview he had talked about how nick had made a bunch of improvement this year they asked him what what specifically was he doing wrong last year and they said that he would you know gus straight up just said he during walkthroughs he wasn't he wasn't retaining what we were talking about he wasn't focused whatever that was some sort of like lack of of really kind of being there maybe just overwhelmed Mm -hmm. but he said that nick's doing a lot better this year so there is a an outside chance that that they're going to put nick cross into this position so if i'm drafting today i'm not taking him as even my db3 i just want him as like a a last round dart throw because nobody else is buying him but when preseason starts that's certainly something i'm going to be watching but whether it's it'll either be blackman or cross we think so whichever of the two of those kind of comes out on top i'm i'm happy to to invest fairly heavily in particularly if i can get it for a db2 or a db3 which i think neither of these guys are going very high right now
0: Oh yeah, no, they're they're definitely not Nick Cross. I, I I haven't even seen him really being drafted in in the deepest of drafts. Julian Blackman, you, you look at the IDP show adp that they're doing for best ball, he's like safety 69 or something like that. So super super late, these guys, so definitely worth the shot. I you you put Nick Cross on the list. I started getting like kind of flashbacks to last year because I was all in on cross too. Um just being like, I thought he was gonna be a steal for IDP. You know, he, he had a decent um, preseason, like the games at least. Um, but yeah, yeah, he lost that job so quickly. Um, just, I, I don't know, maybe he had a short leash, like you said, because of some of the training camp issues and things like that. But, um, Yeah, this this could be a fun one to watch. I I know if you're right, I I know a few of my deeper dynasty leagues will be very happy about this. Um, The ones that have had a hard time letting go this off season. So I understand um, it's tough. Yeah, I'm a fan of cross. I I think we could. I think it would be nice to see him. He's got that elite speed too. If they could get him on the field and get his head right, that that would be uh, at least a nice a nice redeeming factor for him after last year. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Um.
1: I Listen, I hate to derail this podcast. I'm about to run it no, really right off it. the rails here. But <laughs> while we're talking about DBs, and I have you on on the podcast, I'm on your podcast, and I'm just I'm just going to ask you for questions. <laughs> okay. What are we doing with Marte Mapu?
0: What are we doing with this guy? I know this is an interesting one, right? He's got a lot of uh, a lot of buzz right now in camp because of New England kind of using him everywhere. And you know what? <laughs> It kind of makes sense right he kind of did a little bit of everything in the FCS last season right there's not a lot of tape right. on the guy but you look at so we we did grade a little bit of his um his college and and he did play do a little bit of everything they i think they drafted him as a linebacker but he played more safety in college i think that's what it was either that or it was the other way flip but Belichick's moving him around all over the place. This is a typical Belichick thing, right? He uses these guys these play, that play non-positional defense, right? He, Kyle Duggar is a safety. They put him at linebacker. They do the same thing with Adrian Phillips and guys like that. So I, I think Mapu could be potentially interesting in, in deeper leagues, at least for this year, until we see kind of how it plays out. I, I don't know if I, I'm drafting him necessarily just because I think it probably has to it's probably going to be more sub package stuff with him especially with the Patriots they're, they're not going to give an every down roll to to a rookie uh right out the gate either so I think he could be interesting I think he could be a lot of fun and and if the deployments are right he could be an interesting IDP and I mean Kyle Duggar's I think on the last year of his contract as well so maybe there's a there's a spot for him to take over the Duggar role if he leaves
1: yeah and I mean it, it's the the safeties there have been somewhat fantasy relevant the linebackers mm-hmm uh you know usually aren't uh we're not we're not talking usually about them in the top 25 as it is but i i when i was doing dynasty rankings i i had to put him in in both categories mm-hmm. i didn't know what to do with them i was like i can't leave him out of either category because i yeah. literally don't know how this is all going to shake out so i should <laughs> know if you had any insight there on whether you were leaning him thinking of him as a as a uh because yeah i mean it, it, he is i mean he's the classic kind of non-positional player and which makes all the sense of the world in, in in belichick's defense but we're so used to seeing a safety work more as a linebacker if he ends up getting linebacker designation i really don't know what to do with him
0: yeah yeah that, that definitely becomes a little trickier and yeah I, even joan bentley like i don't think he'll play in every down role even though they gave him a contract again like he he plays like 70 to 80 percent of the snaps each week and look I mean uh what's his name Devin McCourty retired as well right so he was their deep safety I think there's a chance that Kyle Kyle Duggar backfills a little bit of that deep safety role when he's not playing in the box and maybe that's what opens up a spot for somebody like Mapu to come in and play those sub package roles closer to the line of scrimmage when Duggar has to play deep or something like that it's, it's the Patriots. I, I, I try not to figure out what's going on with that because we're almost always wrong. Um, and they change it so often. So, but it, it'll be an interesting one to follow for sure. This preseason. Yeah. Um, all
1: right. Sorry to derail. Let's get back on, on the, uh, oh, no, on, the, on the train here. Uh, who do you got for <laughs> uh defensive
0: line? Yeah, no problem. Um, So I went with uh, I went with Arden Key, edge defender for the Tennessee Titans. So Key to me, just looking at him, watching him these past couple seasons, he's he's. Been a quietly effective pass rusher over the past two years in both San Francisco and Jacksonville. Um, he posted 80 total pressures and 11 sacks in addition to a 78.3 pass rush grade on 583 pass rush snaps over the last two seasons. Um, So now he joins his third team in as many seasons with a shot to play a decent snap share on a Tennessee defensive line. I think that is in need of edge talent. And that's where the biggest key for me comes. Um, The Titans, you know, you look at what they did in the draft. They didn't really do anything. Um, They had just six picks in the in the the draft. They lost Harold Landry to a torn ACL the year before that. They relied on, on guys like Rashad Weaver for 600 defensive snaps. They appear pretty content to roll with the group they currently have, which is, uh, uh, you know, it's not the biggest names. Harold Landry should be healthy, but I think Arden Key has a real chance to play a significant role opposite of Harold Landry um, and guys like Danico Autry as well. So I think, um, you know, there's a I think Autry, too, has a tendency to kind of play inside. Those stand up edge defenders on passing down. So these guys don't really have to cancel each other out or anything like that. But key for me, I, he does you typically project as more of a pass rush specialist, but he did prove that he could be an asset in the run game last season as well. He posted the best run defense grade of his career, um, which was a 74.2, which was on his largest snap share of run snaps um, since his rookie season. So um, I think it's a great spot for, for art and key to produce in, in Tennessee um, work on a little bit on early downs and, and those key passing downs as well. And, and really just be a low cost flyer with, with enough upside to be worth a roster spot in the in those like medium to deep idp leagues yeah i
1: i i, I love everything you're saying uh, um i think some of some of the key points for me are uh he you talked about a snap count right this guy hasn't played above 50 percent snaps uh since mm-hmm. his since his rookie year so i definitely think he'll play more snaps this year he's been more like a 200 300 snap guy if he if he can you know if he can climb up into that Five or six hundred snap guy, you know, we, we we could be talking anywhere from six to eight uh, uh, sacks, and although you know, and possibly more, but once we kind of move above five and get between five and ten, then as a as a DL two or a DL three or or an edge two or an edge three, Arden Key is the kind of guy who you know like we've kind of been talking some of these guys are just not getting drafted or getting drafted really late. And once, once you kind of have your first, your, your main defensive end or your main edge, and you start getting toward the middle or late ends of the drafts, Arden key is usually still there. And, um, this is be one of those guys who start showing up every week in in, in the uh, in the statistics, and and people didn't see it coming. So mm-hmm. great, you know, uh, um, late round flyer. I also love that he's playing on on. I mean, I I think Tennessee has a, a pretty strong, uh, uh you know, uh, pass rush there. I mean, it, there's not like that one main guy on the on the edge that like really stands out, but mm-hmm. across the board, they're and I love. um them playing with jeffrey simmons in the middle like Mm -hmm. being able to kind of hold up so much in the middle um occupy so many offensive linemen that's really going to help key uh yeah and i love just the fact that he's he should get more playing time and it feels like he's been in the league for a long time but i think he's only like 26 or 27 he's yeah he's you know he's still got plenty of tread on his tire let's put it that way
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the opportunity should be there for him this year in in Tennessee. We've seen these guys um, rely on their edge rushers pretty heavily. So I think there will be an opportunity there. Um, So somebody to keep in mind. And another guy to keep in mind, who did you have uh, as your second uh, name to watch on the the edge?
1: Well, a couple of years ago, Romeo Okora was – tearing up the league he had mm-hmm. 10 sacks and he was really looking good on that detroit line and then he tore his achilles uh only played a, a couple of games uh before tearing his achilles uh, two years ago and then he came back last year played played a few games didn't quite look like himself um the the key point here is Achilles injuries usually take a full two years until you can feel like you're back uh, even at 80% of what you were before. So uh, this is another late round flyer, um, you know, uh, and if so if he's healthy if he's back to feeling remotely like he like like he was before i think he's he's going to have a lot more value than than some people realize he'll also if he ends up playing a decent number of snaps now he's going to be playing across from Aiden Hutchinson uh which should should allow him a, a little a, a little more free range over there not be double teamed as much uh so he's a guy that again toward the end of drafts um you know i'm i'm going to probably grab him and just... Just look, if he ends up blowing up and kind of getting back to where he was before, even again, if he's like a seven or eight or nine sack guy, I'm okay with that. If he's getting heavy, if he's getting heavy snaps and and having at least some decent tackle floor, but if not – You know, I'm spending a late round pick on him. I can I can replace that fairly easy. What I can't replace is the upside he brings. And and for my DL three, and once we get into these deeper leagues, that's the kind of guy I'm going for. I want the guy that has, you know, a legitimate shot at some at some top twelve upside.
0: Yeah, i love that call i i mean this yeah this is exactly what you would want from from like a late round guy to kind of step in and have that potential to be you know a top 24 top 20 top 15 edge um for idp i'd love to see a bounce back from him he was so good in 2020 like you said he posted that 10 sack season had a career high 84.5 pass rush grade posted 61 pressures as well i mean he was just awesome uh, unfortunately yeah the achilles thing really killed him because even in 2021, early in the year, that momentum from 2020 was was starting to carry over through those first three games, those thir- yeah. first three healthy games. He had posted 16 pressures and a sack in there before he got hurt in week four. And it took until, yeah, like you said, week 14 of last year, I think it was, to see him kind of come back. And he needed two separate surgeries on his Achilles as well. So I'm definitely not judging the 120 snaps or whatever it was from him last year because it's it's going to be really hard to get back into a rhythm after something like that so um we we saw you know kind of how little he played when he was active it just wasn't enough to do any real damage, even um even though he did get two sacks in one game. Um, but it was against yeah. Zach Wilson. So maybe not putting too much stock into that <laughs> one. But yeah, if he can get back to that 2020, 2021 form, I- I'd be very excited because um he was really, really good. Um so I like I really like this call and definitely somebody that people aren't paying attention to because everybody's excited about James Houston, right? Because he posted right. eight sacks on that small sample size last year. So Romeo Quara definitely getting looked over. Um so let's uh, we talked about Oquara coming off an Achilles injury. Let's go on to another player um, who was coming off an Achilles injury last season. Uh, unreal transition there, if we're being honest. Um, Carl Lawson, <laughs> <laughs> Carl Lawson of the New York Jets. Um, he's 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 not like super high for me. He's edge thirty seven. But if you look at some of the again the IDP show ADP, he's going as edge sixty one. To me, I I think this is crazy. I think it kind of speaks to how under the radar he is right now. But I I also believe this is the first mention of Carl Lawson on this podcast all offseason. So outside of maybe a passing mention of him when we're talking about Will McDonald or something like that. But this is, I think, the first feature for him, which surprises me because I do love me some Carl Lawson and always happy to talk about him. Um, But anyways, he's coming off the best sack year of his career since he was a rookie after missing all of 2021 with that Achilles injury. So really nice bounce back right away for him um, after what can be a pretty devastating injury, like you said. So This was his first year even playing a regular season snap for the Jets as well, and he still earned a pretty strong 72.8 pass rush grade. Didn't really have the pressure rate or win rate that he's been known for, but again, just one year removed from that Achilles injury definitely plays a part in that. He also had one of the better, um, meaning lower, rates of his pressures being classified as cleanup or unblocked pressures at just 26.5%, which was a top 10 mark for the position, um, and his win rate and pressure rate they were still above average I should say for the position which when you include those seven sacks I, I'd say is pretty nice it's a pretty nice season for a guy coming off uh, an Achilles Um, but I, I do think you know he gets some of that burst back in 2023 which should help him deliver more con- um, consistently as a pass rusher but the biggest concern is is going to be playing time we we know the Jets like to rotate to their edges quite a bit and they Did spend a first round pick on Will McDonald this year in the draft after also spending a first round pick on Jermaine Johnson in the 2021 draft. So there's a shit ton of competition there, including a very good, very capable John Franklin Myers, not to mention Bryce Huff and Michael Clemens. So competition for snaps is fierce. There's no doubt about that. But all of that being said, drafters are well aware of this at this point and it's one of the biggest reason that reasons that he goes undrafted or unnoticed um for a lot of drafts if you look at at, again that idp show adp edge 61 is pretty late so people are already fading him um and among edges going in that range you'd be hard pressed to find a better bet than Lawson to kind of greatly outperform that adp it's very i think very similarly to like a romeo aquara as well so Even with that rotation last year, he still led all the Jets players in pass rush snaps, and he was second among the team, uh, the team's edges in run defense snaps. So I, I still think he'll, he'll have the opportunity in 2023 as these young guys like McDonald and, and Johnson continue to kind of acclimate to the NFL and, and are worked in sparingly this season.
1: Yeah, uh, I, and the other thing I like about Carl Lawson is that although you're right, they do rotate a lot on the edge they keep everybody fresh you know we've uh i know i've talked about it before and i'm sure you you have too um, you don't have to play a thousand snaps as a as a pass rusher to still be very effective for fantasy. There, there are a lot of players who, if they tried to play them a thousand snaps, they would wear out so easily. So it's not necessarily the end of the world. Uh, you know, th- let's look at Philly last year. Philly rotated yeah. heavily on the edges, and they had plenty of sacks. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, th- that 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 wasn't an issue for that team. And the other thing I like about um, that although they are rotating, Salah does not blitz much. He's mm-hmm. he's one of, he blitzes at one of the the lowest rates of the league, which basically means he's allowing that that deep defensive line to eat and 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 no trickery. Just you know, hop off for a couple of snaps, rest your legs, and then get back out there. Mm-hmm. And I think Carl Lawson could take advantage, especially at DL sixty one. This is the same thing yeah. we've been talking about with the, with these other guys. Like if it's at the you know if you already have your if you play two or three dl's or edges if you already have your first and second ones and you're feeling good about it if if i have a third one that i'm going to pick up it's going to be one of these three um, mm-hmm. to me and, and and of the three we've talked about so far I'm gonna start with like on my little list will be Carl Lawson above uh, Aquora and key uh, just because you know and and think about how well he did last year on that. Achilles, everything we said about Aquora is here too. This is yeah. year two from that. So he should be stronger, he should feel more confident. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great I love that he's going so late. that's the kind of guy you want all that upside.
0: Yeah, there's just so much value there and so much potential from a guy that we've seen be like a very high-end pass rusher, right? So I'm I'm pretty excited yeah. to grab him that late every single time. Yeah, um, sure. but let's talk about uh, an interior defensive lineman that you, you put on the list here. Who do you want to talk about out of uh, Atlanta?
1: Yeah, well, you know we're again trying to mix up some some late round flyers and some and some players that might just be a little undervalued, but 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 can can be a play a premium position. Um, and, and for me, that's going to be Grady Jarrett. I think Grady Jarrett, um, I'm not going to get too much on a tangent, on a tangent here for Aaron Donald, but I- I'll talk about Aaron Donald for a second in the same thing. When you've got a defensive interior guy that has zero help around him, then you're just, you're telling, uh, opposing offensive coordinators. All right. Just throw everybody you got at their one good interior <laughs> defender and we'll deal with the trash on the edge. We'll just chip them and leave it tight end. Up. And so, you know, Grady Jarrett had to fight through a lot. He did not have much help last year. He had guys like Timmy Horn and Abdullah Anderson. And if you just said who exactly uh, Taquan Graham, I think played OK, but he got injured about halfway through the season. So he didn't even have Taquan. Quan Graham there. They didn't have much of a pass rush. Well, this year they went out and got Calais Campbell. I know he's banged up right now. He's going to miss the first few weeks, but even at age 78 or however old he is at this point, he had a I think he had a great season last year. And he's a big guy who's going to help soak up some bodies. Uh, you also have David Anyamata there, who I think is a, a solid player. So in general, I think the defensive Talent around Jarrett has definitely improved, uh, and that's going to help. But also, he got to me. He got a little unlucky. I had him down for forty-five pressures, but he only had six sacks. He's probably a couple of short on 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 that in terms of the league average. So now he's got a deeper and more talented line. Hopefully, gets a little bit better luck. I also like who they have as defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen. This is a guy who gets a lot out of his defensive line. When he was with the when he was with the Saints, they were top ten in sacks every year he was there. Uh, so I like him to climb over that eight sack um, um, margin here uh, in twenty twenty three, and it, particularly if you have a um if your league has uh, differentiates between defensive interior and edge i love them as, as one of
0: my uh you know back end uh dt ones or di ones yeah yeah, I love it. I, th- this is a guy, I've, the last few years now has been completely undervalued, right? Because he's so effective mm-hmm. and still a volume monster at 30 years of age. Four straight seasons of 800 plus defensive snaps. He hasn't played fewer than 700 defensive snaps since his rookie season. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just Consistently underrated when it comes to defensive linemen in the NFL. He's he's kind of like the the Cameron Jordan of interior defenders to me. Yes, <laughs> you know he's, yes. he's a guy Great that job. plays every down and he's he's just uber consistent week in and week out. At, you know at least fifty tackles as well in each of the last seven seasons. So just very very consistent from Grady Jarrett. I had him as a bounce back candidate heading heading into last season um, when he managed just one sack in twenty twenty one. He delivered okay with six sacks in in. 2022 you know if we're going to put it over under on on maybe five and a half sacks for jared in 2023 do you like the over there
1: yeah definitely like the over there
0: yeah I like it, too. Yeah, this is I mean, the, the defensive line, like you said, has gotten better. They've done a, a better job at adding players to the, this that could potentially um, do some damage. I mean, Bud Dupree, you know, the, the yeah. hasn't been great in the NFL, but it's another name that they brought in. They drafted Zach Harrison um, out of Ohio State in the second round, I believe it was. So just bringing in more players to kind of help them out, because like you said, this is a guy that's just been on an island by himself for way too long. All right, shall we move on to linebackers? Let's go to linebackers. Yeah, so I'll start with uh, with a guy, Kaiser White, um, with the Arizona Cardinals. It, you know, we, we touched on this early in the offseason, but it seems that that offseason kind of scuttlebutt, I guess, on Saban Collins switching to edge and Isaiah Simmons practicing exclusive with, exclusively with the DBs is looking to be a lot more than noise under new head coach Jonathan Gannon so by all accounts zaven is going to be considered an edge in this new Arizona defensive position that is much more valuable to them and, and much more of a need for them as well as far as real NFL goes but I'm a little bit hesitant to get too excited about Zaven Collins at least in year one of that role so Collins for me likely a kind of do not draft player um I'm okay missing out on him I I don't think he'll get double digit sacks or anything like that where it would hurt me to pass on him he's much more likely you know just causing me to miss out on a much more stable IDP in those middle rounds of drafts as for Isaiah Simmons he was playing deep safety this past week in camp with Buda Baker rotating down and Jalen Thompson in the slot This is not something I love for Simmons either. Obviously, we just talked about the importance of those box snaps. Um, And and if he's going to be the primary deep guy, I'm not all that interested in him either. That leaves Kaiser White as, as the primary linebacker wearing the green dot as well which makes sense, I think, given his familiarity with a lot of Gannon's defensive scheme coming over from Philly together. Um, you, you know, he's coming off a bit of a down year last year, but but actually came off the field a, a lot more than people realized. Played only 76% of the defensive snaps. So finished with just 110 total tackles after hitting 144 the year before with the Chargers when he played 84% of snaps. So I, I like Kaiser White. I'm calling him Mr. White, a.k.a. Kaisenberg. Kaisenberg. Um, sorry, I'm rewatching Breaking Bad, it's, it's, it's a, but he's he's my preferred target right now among the, the Cardinals IDPs, um, or at least among him, Simmons and, and Collins, and he costs a lot less right now going way later than those guys when looking at the ADP as well. So Kaiser White definitely uh, should be considered a value at this point.
1: Yeah, Mr. White.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. That was really good. <laughs>
1: um yeah i uh, i love the fact that he uh obviously knows gannon's defense and and uh you know with with as talented as as uh the eagles were last year you know it, it was a little hard to get everybody out out on the field i don't think they have nearly the amount of talent in in terms of just you know being an interior linebacker an off-ball linebacker that they do in arizona so he's, he knows the defense i don't really see anybody there um uh, you know, I, I do believe you know, I'm with you on Zayvon Collins. I do believe he's going to play, um, off ball linebacker. Um, some, uh, I doubt he's going to, you know, be exclusively an edge. I think, mm-hmm. I think everybody's trying to find the next, um, you know, uh, Micah Parsons, uh, which is obviously very <laughs> hard to do, but Hey, listen, you got to give it a shot. Yeah. Um, Uh, Yeah. So I think he is going to sit there in the middle uh, of of, of that defense. Uh, And this is another another year where I'm expecting Arizona to Arizona's defense to play a lot of snaps. Um, And yeah, again, another player who's going a little a little later than than he should or a lot later than he should. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of guy that, you know, could easily end up you know he's he's in the top 10 in tackles before people realize it Mm -hmm. um definitely not taking him as my lb1 uh but i'm actually super happy to take him as an as an lb2 and if i end up if i miss the linebacker run and i end up with kaiser white as my lb1 i'm actually perfectly okay with it i think he has a really high floor sitting in the middle of this Gannon defense
0: yeah he should be perfectly fine again we talk about this all the time but opportunity being the biggest thing and and the nice thing really with him like we the reason he's on this list he's not going anywhere near those top 24 linebackers drafted right so you you could get him as lb3 lb4 sometimes and it's beautiful it's just like it's perfect depth to add to your to your roster when you're doing your drafts right now so definitely take advantage of that one but uh, let's talk about, uh, another linebacker here. So this was a guy we actually kind of touched on a little bit last episode as well, but what do you think about, uh, Jerome Baker with the Miami dolphins?
1: Well, uh, he's been one of my, one of my, uh, he's the guy every year that I tell everybody you got to calm down. Like <laughs> Baker is not going to get anywhere near that many tackles. And I always say it's not for a lack of talent the way he is used you know miami has basically uh created their own version of bill belichick's defense over the last several years with uh brian flores and and patrick graham Mm -hmm. and as we know from new england's linebackers there's just they're just not used in the traditional linebacker tackle soaking uh role and so drone baker is always lower on my list uh than i'll see out there when it comes to draft time but this year is the other way around they've got a they've got a new defensive coordinator in vic fangio who is like you know i mean i don't know how many podcasts i went on last year preseason yelling this guy's name um but uh sure enough his, you know his defense is certainly starting to spread around the uh, out around the nfl everybody's like i don't know what's happening to the scoring all these like pundits on tv i'm like <laughs> i can, i'm raising my hand and nobody yeah. nobody can see me at home i'm like i know oh, i know what happened um so fangio you know he's he's got a different defensive scheme that's really been working lately but the important thing for baker is that Fangio's linebackers tend to, and we don't know exactly what he's going to roll out here, right? He doesn't have just like a cookie cutter defense, but it, what they traditionally do is, is they are tack, you know uh, guys who soak up tackles. Over the last ten years that that uh, Fangio has been a, a coach, either head coach or defensive coordinator, seven of those years he's produced a top twenty-four linebacker, and in most of those years it was a top twelve linebacker. Now. We go when you go back 10 years ago, some of those linebackers were names like Navarro Bowman. Uh, right. But you know, he 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 produced some of those years for for Roquan Smith. Uh, and he's done, you know, when he was in Denver, he had you know, AJ Johnson up there. So he you mm-hmm. don't have to be an elite talent to, to soak up a lot of tackles in his defense. So uh and again on the other side, New England's linebackers, uh, they they haven't finished. We haven't seen one finish in the top fifty in tackles mm-hmm. since 2016. We've had four New England players finish uh, in the top fifty in tackles, but all four of them were defensive backs. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so to me, I think he's somebody that if you're that if you just look at what he's been doing the last couple of years, you're missing what's likely to be a bump. From that, like he's been around right around 100 tackles a season. I -hmm. think he's got a chance to be up in that 125 or 135 range this year. Um, So I I really like his uh, his chances to just, you know, just change of defense actually being a huge help for him. But I want to ask you uh, Mm -hmm. while I've got you here. There is another linebacker there in in David long, right? He's coming over from, uh, from Tennessee and uh, he's, he's a pretty good player too. And this is a new defense, um, you know, so he uh, Fangio gets a little bit more say as to how he's going to align these align everyone here. Do you see David long being a threat to Baker in terms of, of their roles?
0: So I, I, the way that I'm approaching it right now is as I do kind of have David Long ahead of Jerome Baker um, just because I think when it comes to being like a typical off-ball linebacker David Long has shown a little bit more um, He's you know, he's got a little bit more experience in, in that role uh, mm-hmm. although you know in Tennessee it was a little bit different of a defense as well a lot of light boxes and things like that where he, you know he, he was different than your typical um, linebacker looks but I still have David long a bit ahead just because I think he's probably slightly more talented player, but he's, you know, he's on the smaller side as well. Not that Jerome Baker's, you know, huge or anything, but, um, so the way that I'm looking at it, and I'm willing to pivot too, because I've I've never been a Jerome Baker guy, like for the reasons that you just laid out, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about the, the defensive scheme and everything that he's done in there, I've always kind of avoided him. But Drip talked about this last week as, as well, what, talking about him as a you know a bounce back candidate. Um, I kind of got me on board with him. You've got me on board with him here after hearing you talk about him too, because I do think that this new defensive scheme should be a help for him. And I think there could be room for both guys to potentially get some playing time um, and, and make an IDP impact. It's just a matter of, you know, which one's going to be primary, which one's going to be secondary, which one's going to be, you know, getting more blitz opportunities and which one's going to be getting more tackle opportunities. So I think it makes sense that David long is the one that gets maybe more tackle opportunities and Baker give gets more blitzing just, based on the history um but again it, it's gonna go it could go either way I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it um with baker on top and 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 long as the secondary guy so um the way i'm approaching it now is long but I, i'm definitely willing to pivot there
1: i think if i'm in a draft and i want a piece of that fangio defense linebacker um what i might do is uh wait until one of them is gone hmm Uh, And then grab the other because chances are I can get another round out of um, uh, out of the draft pick somebody else up and and wait for the first one of those to drop because I do think this is a, um, you know, we should see a lot of two linebacker sets and as we've seen and you know it used to be the thing you just you you know we we yeah. you could you could grab either carolina panther linebacker and be fine you know obviously luke keekley's the man but thomas davis would would easily rack up high lb2 numbers and nobody even would remember his name that was the thing and then now it's all you know, we f- see all this single linebacker stuff and then you worry that there's only one Uh, guy out there to really grab but i don't think that'll be the case here in 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 miami so uh, i do have baker a little ahead of long but but again if i'm drafting and i'm grabbing them as like an lb3 or something i'm going to wait for one of them to fall off because i think i can get more value by by getting the second of of those two options i don't think they'll both go in the same round
0: Yeah. And I think that's the right way to approach it, right? Like we talk about this all the time with, with running backs in ambiguous situations. It's the same thing with linebackers too. If we don't know for sure, it's not really always worth it to kind of plant your flag on being the the guy to take the first one out of that group and saying, this is definitely going to be the guy better to let somebody else do it. Pick up a more stable or valuable option earlier than that, and then grab the second guy a little bit later at a better cost, and hope that he comes out. Because when it's this close and we don't know for sure, it's 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 better to bet on the value than trying to plant a flag there. So I, I'm kind of doing that with 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 the next guy, even talking about um, out of the Houston Texans, Denzel Perryman. So. Perryman for me, I, I really like Perryman this year. I have him as LB 23, but you really don't even have to draft him that high in most leagues. I think, you know, part of that is because of, like I said, some of that ambiguity with how the Texans will deploy their linebackers and which ones specifically will, will emerge as starters. And maybe it becomes more of a rotation since they don't really have like a clear top guy that you trust for all three downs. But that being said, I, I do think Paraman plays a bigger role and, and given D'Amico Ryan's history of deploying two full-time linebackers, I think there's a good chance that Paraman will play in one of those starting spots. Obviously, not a guarantee that he does i I think the other favorite right now is christian christian harris who was pff's lowest graded linebacker last season for what it's worth Uh, but he's the guy that's going much earlier in drafts Um, from what i've seen he's the one that people are wanting to try to get again he's the younger name he's you know he's coming off just a rookie season He, he played pretty well as far as you know an idp last year but if Perriman gets on the field as either that primary or secondary role, I think he'll have the best shot to kind of lead this team in tackles. He, he's proven that he could be a very effective and efficient tackler these last few years coming off a 15% tackle efficiency season last year. Uh, he had one of the best first contact rates in the league as well at 12 and a half percent. He had a two and a half, 2.4% tackle for loss plus no gain rate also on the elite end. So even if he seeds some snaps to Harris, I think he can be the guy um, to outproduce him. So when you look at Harris's numbers last year, he was mm-hmm. far less efficient and was actually below average in tackle efficiency, first contact rate, tackle for loss, plus no gain rate as well. So that that could be a continuing issue here in 2023. And like you said, if they're, if we're betting on value, mm-hmm. um, I'll take the guy that's going a little bit later, who I think has a, as a just as good, if not a better chance to emerge as the top uh, IDP linebacker in that group.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you owned Jalen Petre or uh, Jonathan Owens last year, you really <laughs> should send Christian Harris a gift basket. <laughs> because as terrible as those linebackers were in, in Houston, this you know it really helped. Jonathan. I mean, the, both those guys basically led the galaxy in DB tackles last year. So, yeah. um, uh, and and I'll say this, you know, you mentioned um, you mentioned uh, Harris being so so poorly graded um it is rare that we see somebody get a really poor pff grade a linebacker i'll just speak specifically Mm -hmm. to linebackers it's rare that somebody who gets graded that poorly uh ends up with a starting job or keeps a starting job um Mm -hmm. so uh you know i i will even talk a little bit about alex anzalone right so it's it's all it's all the rage to pick on alex anzalone and i certainly have, (laughs) have been one of them but he was above, you know, he was at least average or a, 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 a little bit above average. He was a lot, he was noticeably better last year than he was the, the year before. And the same thing happened with, um, uh, uh, the not TJ Edwards, but the, um, yeah, TJ Edwards out of, um, uh, no, not TJ Edwards. It's blanked on him. Um, who's the guy who went to, he went from Philly to Denver. And he wasn't even supposed to start. And then he again he has like he has like a twenty one percent. Oh, Singleton. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> we like we don't understand how he can keep tackling forty two oh, yeah. players a game. It shouldn't be physically possible. So he was <laughs> terrible. And then he actually got better. And most people didn't realize he actually got better and was staying on the field. So um, if Christian Harris doesn't make a, a noticeable turnaround, yeah, I don't see him. Uh, you know, knocking Perryman out of there and remember that that primary linebacker role. And again, this, this will speak to uh, Alex Anzalone. There is a lot to that role besides just their ability to run sideline to sideline and, and, and tackle 12 people a game. There's a lot of there's a lot on their plate. We've seen um, lots of, of talented linebackers get the green dot and fold like a cheap tent under right. under all of that extra extra weight um perryman can clearly do that he's shown that over his career having a veteran there in the middle of the field so sometimes i like to look at um or almost all the time i like to look at if i'm a coach how you know how do these guys all fit on the field not just look what their numbers and their snaps look like but how does this all look how does the houston defense look and it really is hard to imagine this defense functioning without a veteran like perryman You know, right, right there in the middle. So, so I agree with you. I, I I know their, their linebackers were a mess last year and a big rotation, but these are things you can take advantage of as a drafter. There's all these, there's all this cloud, this clouds of mystery about what's going to happen with their linebackers, because that's what happened last year. Mm -hmm. But this is a, a, we, you know, that we're turning over a new leaf here in Houston. So I like him there.
0: Yeah, for sure. And th- that's that's one of the main things I'm looking at, right? Is that veteran presence, somebody with experience. I think that's one of the most important things as far as how looking at how, what coaches value is guys that have experience and can call the defense and make um and get everybody lined up and everything like that. So I think Paraman, like you said um could be potentially in for a big role this season in Houston. So uh, let's talk about one more linebacker here. Who's one of your other uh, values here at uh, out of Atlanta?
1: Well, this this will speak a little bit to that um, uh, Miami Dolphins thing we we're talking about having having two linebackers and um, all the rage right now is Troy Anderson and I'm one of them. I, I, I you know he's coming into his second year here. Uh, he he's got a chance to you know kind of take over this defense and I really hope that it happens uh, for 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 him in Atlanta. But I think people are sleeping on Caden Ellis, who I think actually is a pretty you know you know now he had an for. for for uh, Caden Ellis, he had an amazing turnaround from 21 to 22. Uh, he had a he had a great season last year, even in kind of you know limited duty. So I don't know if he's going to be able to repeat that, but but he did play really well last year. And but my biggest thing is, uh, although I'm sure they probably want Troy Anderson to uh, you know to 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 be the guy here. One of the most important uh, parts here is that he's coming over uh to to be part of of this defense right so he he he's played this defense before so he's going to be somebody who will know this defense fairly well and to me that makes a huge difference uh when 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 you you know you've got a you've got a saints defensive coordinator here and he brings his linebacker just like we talked about with jonathan gannon bringing a philadelphia linebacker with him to say all right i need somebody here who knows all of my calls who knows all these sorts of things? So I would not be surprised if Ellis plays. I don't know if he's going to be if he's going to wear the green dot or not. But I would not be surprised if he doesn't play plenty of like you know at least a thousand snaps, be on the field a ton, and be the kind of guy that uh, is getting drafted way too late. I'd love to have him as my lb three
0: hmm yeah he's really interesting right and and I think like you said the main thing being that he comes over with Ryan Nielsen the defensive coordinator there um, who was the co-defensive coordinator last season with the Saints where and that's where Ellis got his first opportunity to start right Pete Warner got hurt yep. Ellis stepped in and he was a very effective IDP option off the waiver wire last year um, he, he led all linebackers in sacks as well with seven so I think I think he does play a significant snaps again in 2023 alongside troy anderson as mm-hmm. that team is kind of revamping its defense i think these these two guys can work um together in that defense and still potentially be strong idps and again it, it's another one of those situations right troy anderson is going to be the one that's getting a lot of the looks because he's that second round rookie draft capital from the year before now he's stepping into you know a starting role he, he's got the strong ras scores and all of that kind of stuff and people might not be looking at Caden Ellis in drafts and and he has a lot of that familiarity with the defense could potentially bring some of that pass rush upside to the to the table as well um so yeah I I still like Caden Ellis as well for this season I think that's a good call um all right let's do that that's kind of all the the, the main names that we're, we're talking about i think what i want to do is i want to do a couple quick hitters here because we're in training camp season we're, we're you know we're getting all these kind of reports and there's camp battles and preseason games coming up that we'll have to kind of sort where these guys fall on the depth chart and everything like that so just a few quick hitters here as we kind of close out and i'll start with the bills linebackers so I mentioned this on Twitter last week or the week before, I can't even remember now, but but heading into camp that that competition for the LB2 spot in Buffalo is still very much open. I know I threw out AJ Klein's name as a dark horse, but really more to a point to point out that it's, it's not just between Terrell Bernard or Dorian Williams, like most of the IDP. Um, community seems to believe you know Tyrell Dotson was also somebody that I had ranked ahead of uh, Bernard and Williams earlier in the year and he's still getting reps with the ones as well even Balin Spector uh, is in there so they're trying out all these possibilities here to see what fits and, and there was even talk about them moving to more of a dime package and getting Taylor Rapp to play those sub package snaps next to Matt Milano In that uh, linebacker role at time, which was something that they just haven't done in the past, but sometimes, you know, personnel or, or in this case, the lack thereof could dictate otherwise. So. I think it's just a competition to keep an eye on into the preseason. Nothing here is guaranteed the way that it stands right now and we will likely need more time to kind of suss this one out. So for now, I'd probably be avoiding kind of the non-Milanos in drafts right now or at least like we've been saying, kind of grab that last guy of the group that you think has a chance because I think all of these guys as camp goes on and through the preseason are all going to get opportunities to start uh, next to Milano to see which one they like the most.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, the the Taylor rap signing was uh, it was the first thing I thought too, like all right, well who, you know who's gonna who's gonna play with with Matt Milano and when they sign I mean, you know they love Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer uh, they also have Demar Hamlin there um, you know obviously both Poyer and Micah Hyde they're over thirty um, but they have been a they they're a big reason why the the Buffalo <laughs> defense does what they do they're. Uh, they basically run the same eleven guys out there, or not the same eleven, because they do rotate their their um, uh, defensive line a lot. But mm-hmm. but but their linebackers and safeties and cornerbacks, I mean, it, it's almost a carbon copy every yes. snap, and a lot of that has to do with their their trust in their safeties. So Taylor Rapp could be somebody that moves up into that linebacker backer position. I could also see them doing something like you know moving Micah Hyde or, 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 or Jordan Poirier up there, uh, you know, giving them less responsibility deep in terms of as, as their legs get get get, get a little a, a little more worn down. Either way, between rap being there and, and creating some some uh, possible three uh, uh, safety sets and without a clear winner uh, at least for right now, if I'm drafting tonight, I can't take another uh, um, Buffalo linebacker. The only thing I do want to say is that uh, Terrell Bernard, I I think um, he he's he's my favorite to 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 play that role, uh, and AJ Klein would would be another one. But these guys in general are better at run at the run than they are at the pass, and mm-hmm. I would not be surprised to see that the linebacker two there be be a um you know uh, a, a a two down linebacker and then on um you know i wouldn't be surprised if they don't change things this year sure. and they run three safeties or or um do something to where that third that second linebacker spot is not somebody who will get a thousand snaps
0: this year mm-hmm. yeah they could very well change to maybe like a situation specific um package for, for that second linebacker spot. Like we've seen a few teams already start to do in the NFL. I think that would make sense as well. Um, another linebacker, group that I do want to talk about, and that's the Eagles linebacker course. So th- this one more to do with the Eagles LB2. This one was kind of interesting to me because I, like so many others, just kind of assume that Nicholas Morrow would be the other starter at linebacker next to Nicobe Dean. Um, but according to The Athletic and their beat writer who has been closely watching the team, Christian Ellis has actually emerged as a dark horse to potentially take that LB2 role in Philly. Um, Ellis was a, he was a undrafted free agent out of Idaho back in 2019. 20- 2021. He's played a total of like 40 defensive snaps for the Eagles since entering the league. So really nothing to add analysis wise, other than to say that this is someone to kind of keep an eye on in deeper leagues that you can add at the end of drafts or off the waiver wire right now for nothing, Uh, especially on sleeper. He has that DL LB dual designation. So if he does win the starting role, um, you could pop him in the DL slot and and get near um, full-time linebacker production, which uh, is an added bonus.
1: Oh, from your lips to my draft board, I'd love to, I'd <laughs> love for that scenario to come through. Uh, yeah. Uh, so when we were talking about Caden Ellis, um, uh, one of the things that I kind of uh, was checking out, uh, ba- trying to figure out what happened last year um, how with how well he played, um, you know, you can clearly see he, he's been, he's played for three years. His PFF grade has risen noticeably all three years, right? There's a clear sign of mm-hmm. ascension that gives you optimism that 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 he might end up being a really good player. If you look at Nicholas Moreau, what you just see is he's been in the league for five years and he has been nothing but yeah. league average. And listen, being a league average linebacker is of you know, you're, we're talking about a very small percentage of human beings. That's a great feat by itself. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to play that many snaps. Now he knows this defense, so that was my thought. I think that's probably might have been in your thinking as well, like, you know, he he's going to know this defense um and and he's going to be somebody that can they can rely on a little bit for that, but um uh what it really does for me is it makes me all the more um confident that they really are handing the keys of this defense to Nicobe Dean, which is, hmm. you know, he barely played last year because of the talent on the team. Yeah. But they are they they are gonna give him the keys of this defense, which is awesome. So uh yeah, similar to Buffalo. I'm not drafting any of these linebacker twos until we see. But man, if Christian Ellis gets it and I can use him as a defensive lineman, uh that'll be great.
0: Yeah, that's that's the nice cheat code with with a platform like sleeper for sure. Um right. But uh, Yeah, absolutely. It, it's wheels up for N'Kobe Dean because that that's really positive news for, for him and that they have the trust in him. I know he's getting the green dot and all of that as well. So, um, all right, last one here. I will move away from the linebackers and I will talk about the Steelers safety too. So um, this one kind of interesting. I know we know Minka Fitzpatrick is locked into an every down role, which will very likely be that deep free safety spot um, that we've always seen him play. But With Terrell Edmonds departing to the other Pennsylvania team, there is an open competition for that strong safety role that um, Edmonds, Edmonds previously occupied. So right now, it's apparently between DeMonte Casey and Keanu Neal for the job, and as we know, Neal, ever since he left Atlanta, he went back and forth a little bit between playing linebacker and safety, which honestly, I think probably helps his case a little bit for this job, given the Steelers tendencies to play more dime personnel, rotate a safety down into that linebacker role. Uh, I also think it helps him that he's a bit more experienced as an NFL starter. He has that former first round draft capital to his name as well. He's younger, has better size to hold up in the box too. Although because KZ has the experience, at least in this defense specifically, played close to 300 defensive snaps there last season, which helped him earn his best PFF grade of his career so far at 81.0. So, really can go either way. I, I think Neil offers the higher upside of the two, so he's the one I'm more willing to take a late round flyer on right now. But either way, this could be a lucrative IDP role for for either guy that the um that'll spend probably more than half of their snaps closer to the line of scrimmage Edmonds, you know did that but he just wasn't efficient with his opportunities which is why people uh, might not necessarily realize that it was actually a nice spot for an idp safety
1: yeah this one is interesting uh you know uh casey i think also played the majority of his snaps uh deep um mm-hmm. so um when you look at these safeties uh what what you see is one of them has significant box experience, and that's Keanu Neal. Um, and that doesn't mean that they're, you know, uh, Fitzpatrick can play anywhere, right? So so mm-hmm. they may elect to use KZ uh, as, as more of a primary um, uh, deep safety and move Fitzpatrick around the field a lot. That he, When you have somebody as talented as him, you can put him in yeah. all sorts of different places, right? But um, uh, again, as we had talked about earlier, Trying to just be, just put yourself in the defensive coordinator's um, um, uh, shoes for a second, and looking at all of your pieces, w- what you see here is that there's Cole Holcomb, who I think is, a, is 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 a solid, you know, interior linebacker. Then you've got a Landon Roberts, who's just, you know, again like Moreau, he's kind of league average, mm-hmm. right? So he's so you don't really have. Uh, um, a, um, a great LB2 there so there's, if, if that's a little bit of a weakness then how are you going to fill that mm-hmm. to me that leans more toward Keanu Neal if, if for all the reasons you just said John he's got um, he's 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 straight up played linebacker. He understands the role of a linebacker. He's obviously play has played plenty of safety. He's bounced back and forth, so he is a movable chess piece. If you, um, one of the the keys to some of these defenses, you know that some of these defensive tendencies is putting people out there, and and this will go to Belichick's like position listing, right? You know, if you if you put out if you're a quarterback and you look up and you see a a defensive alignment, And you don't really know if the player you're staring at is going to actually function as a linebacker or if he's going to drop deep or whatever, any of those questions that really helps your, your defense a lot. Right. So Keanu Neal is what is to me, Keanu Neal and Fitzpatrick are the ones you can move around the most. They can help you with uh, your coverage linebacker issues, Um, and, uh, you know, they, they can cover deep. This could also be another situation where we see all three of them on the field. I'm with you. If I mean, I'm not going to take KZ or Neil as my DB one, and I'm I'm not going to take them as my DB two as well. But if I'm going to take a shot at one of these, uh, I'm it's going to have to be Neil because if he works in the role that John, that you and I have talked about, he has the potential to. He could be a top 20 defensive back for us this year. Um, if he misses, he misses. He's my DB3. I can go to the waiver wire and pick somebody up.
0: Yeah, exactly. That that's, that's the whole thing, right? Especially at safety, when you're looking at some of these guys, these values, these sleepers, whatever you want to call them, um, they really don't cost much, right, to take a shot on. But they're guys that could emerge and could be, significant values if they if they break out in the way that we think they could Um, but if they don't we move on to the next guy there's always a waiver wire option waiting um, to take their place so uh yeah very exciting times we'll see how it all plays out here in the throughout training camp, into the preseason. But that is going to do it for another episode of the Big Nickel IDP podcast. I hope everyone is feeling a little better about finding some value in IDP drafts after this one. I mean, how can you not after listening to the great Justin Varnes wax lyrical on some really great options for 2023? Justin, I really appreciate you coming on here again um, this year to talk IDP with me. It is always a pleasure. I, I greatly appreciate it.
1: Man, I love coming on your podcast. Uh, let's do it some more during the season and then and put me down to come back uh, next year. Let's do it again. Always a pleasure to talk
0: ball with you. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. Yes, we will definitely do it again. Um, and please um, let, the, let the good people know where they can find you uh, and your work as well.
1: You can find me on Twitter at DownWithIDP. I'm one of the fantasy analysts over at FantasyPoints.com. I'm delivering all the IDP news over there. Uh, So find me on Twitter or on Fantasy Points, uh, and then you'll see me uh, up and down
0: John's timeline as well from time to time. Awesome, yeah, definitely check out Justin and his work. As for me, all of my written content can be found on pff.com. We have a ton of fantasy content hitting the website every day, and that that includes plenty of IDP articles to keep my fellow defensive football friends busy. So please be sure to check all of that out. Um, You could also find me on the PFF Fantasy Podcast every week, uh, now twice a week. Uh, How it might even be more than twice a week now, talking offensive fantasy football for those that are interested in such a thing, Um, but. We will be back in a couple of weeks with the Green Dot King, Mr. Mike Wollert, talking through the three-down linebacker situations across the NFL. That's going to be a big one, so hopefully you'll all tune in for that as well. I appreciate you all listening, as always. And until next time, I D P. peace out.